Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Mark 12. When you trust somebody, you take them at their word. When they say something, you believe it. Now, when you can't trust somebody or when you don't take someone at their word, there are going to be problems in that relationship. But nowhere is that more true than in your relationship with God. When you fail to take God at his word, there's going to be all kinds of problems. And and today we, we see one story in particular that reminds us, yeah, we need to take God at his word. And when we turn off from that road, we can get into all kinds of trouble. And we're going to see that in Mark 12. And now Mark 12, again, when we read through Matthew recently, most of the events of this and the ideas in this chapter will be familiar. A lot of this is going on in kind of a series of questions that get brought to Jesus, most of them bad faith questions designed to entrap him uh, and things that are going on. Really, Jesus interacting with the religious leaders during what we often call the Passion Week, that last week, uh, sometime in between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. And we're going to see what I'm talking about by taking uh, God at his word in the middle of the chapter. But let's start at the beginning uh, where Jesus tells this parable. And again, when he talks about a vineyard and putting a fence around it and digging a pit for the wine press uh, to the original audience, this is going to bring them back to Isaiah 5, where God compares Israel to a vineyard. But here you get a sense these leaders, they were meant to care for the vineyard of Israel, but they have not. And if you think through the history of Israel, the prophets were not uh, received well. And then finally, verse 6, he's He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. Now, we all know in the story, that's pretty messed up. You don't do that. You don't kill the vineyard owner's son. But... um, it's clear to everyone talking, well, that is, uh, well, he was talking about the religious leaders. I mean, they even say in verse 12, and they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. You, you see really the depravity uh, of the religious leaders and you know how far gone they were to kill the Messiah. But that's not going to stop Jesus Verse 10, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. People were quoting Psalm 118 as Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. Now Jesus is quoting Psalm 118 to the religious leaders. And so then there's the next question designed to entrap um, Jesus. And it's the Pharisees and the Herodians. Again, 
a strange combo. Usually didn't get along, but it even says there they're trying to trap him. And so they ask him if it's lawful to pay taxes. And what they're hoping is, hey, we've just put Jesus in a lose-lose situation. If he says, pay your taxes, people aren't going to like that. And if he says, don't pay your taxes, well, then we can say, hey, Romans, did you hear that? And we've got him trapped. But then Jesus masterfully turns this lose-lose situation into a lose for them, where he says, it says, knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. Now, a denarius was a day's wage. And if you would have looked at a denarius, you would have seen a picture and inscription of Caesar. And they brought one, and he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And Jesus really turns it into a lose-lose for them, saying, Hey, your hearts aren't in the right place, and you're not going to probably do and render to Caesar what you should, and you're definitely not rendering to God the things that are God's. And it's so masterful that you can see people marvel at him. But here we get to the question I want us to think most about, going back to that idea of taking God at his word. It says, and Sadducees came to him. Now, this was one sect of leaders. And one of the defining things about this group was they say there is no resurrection. And I know I probably said this with Matthew, but you can easily remember that by just remembering that was why they were so sad, you see. And they ask a question. And it seems that perhaps this was a standard question. Like they have this view that there is no resurrection. And so they think they have come up with a question that just shows how absurd the idea of a literal resurrection is. Uh, what, what, what about this man that dies and leaves a wife but has no child? And then his brother takes her and then another brother and another brother and another brother. So there's seven brothers that have been married to this same woman. Well, in the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? And, and you know, you can hear one Sadducee asking the question and you can hear the rest of the Sadducees being like, oh, because they think they've just had a mic drop moment of, well, we just stumped Jesus. Because we brought him this question that we have crafted and we use in arguments all the time to show that the resurrection is ridiculous. Now look at what Jesus says. Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they are neither they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. As for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? He is not God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. You want to talk about a mic drop. Jesus just dropped the mic on them. And he exposes, no, your problem is you don't know the scriptures or the power of God. Um, You need to see that's your fundamental problem. And then he goes on to make a powerful argument. Hey, you 
Here's one of the reasons why you should believe in the resurrection, because God says, I am the God of Abraham. And this is where I think we run into all kinds of problems. When we try to outsmart God, instead of taking God at his word, we try to be smarter than him. And I do think this applies to so many things. I mean, this applies to theology. I mean, even when you read commentaries on something like the Gospel of Mark, people are like, well, did this really happen or not? And I just want to say to some of those guys, is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God? Um, Or even in theology, when people want to say, well, humans wrote the Bible, so there's no way it can be, you know, a a book that has no errors. Uh, Well, here's Jesus saying, guess what? I'm going to base a whole argument off the tense of a verb. That's how exact Jesus thinks the scriptures are. He he thinks that down to the very word and the tenses of the word, those were inspired by God. Those are truth. And I'm going to take God at his word. We can do this in how we interpret scripture where ah, that doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to make it something that makes sense to me or in how we apply scripture. Think of how we've seen the theme of faith come up again and again in Matthew and in Mark. And we want to try to say, well, that can't mean what I think it means um, or what it seems to clearly mean instead of, no, I'm going to take God at his word. Or even today, people today still struggle with rendering to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. I'm sure every one of us could come up with a reason why we shouldn't pay our taxes that sounded on its face godly. I think Jesus would just say, whose faces are on your, your, your paper money? Yeah, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So that's the main thing I want us, even as we look at some of this, which if you read through Matthew is familiar material, we need to take God at his word. And we don't want God saying to us, you are quite wrong because we've looked at what God said and say, eh, it can't possibly be that because I've thought of something better. I've thought of something that makes God God's word mean or impossible for God's word to mean what it clearly means. No, we need to take God at his word. And one of those things we need to take at his word is what Jesus says is the great commandment. Here he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Now, obviously part of these commandments condemn us because none of us has loved God perfectly in this way or our neighbors in this way. But through Christ, this is what God is calling us to. And even this man, Jesus says he's not far from the kingdom of God. He knew this truth of these commandments, but it seems that he had yet to discover the Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's the key. If we want to see these commandments become a reality in our life, there's no way that's going to happen without Jesus Christ and coming to him as the Savior. Next, Jesus goes on to stump the religious leaders. Uh, And he says, how can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? And through quoting Psalm 110, he clearly shows that the Christ, the Messiah, is greater than David because even David calls him his Lord. And obviously, there's a lot of truth there about the identity of Christ that we see again in Mark. In Matthew, we got a whole chapter of... um, 
Jesus rebuking the scribes and Pharisees, Mark uh, puts it much more succinctly here as he warns people of the scribes. And that does seem to be tied then to the widow's offering. And I do think there's something to be said for this is a contrast. I mean, he just said that these scribes, they devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. And then we see here in this next, this widow putting in her last two coins while the rich are, are still rich. So here's a widow whose house is being devoured, but she does, he He does commend the widow and does make a powerful comment about how she put in more. She put in everything that she had. And I do think there's a good principle to learn from that, that it's not always so much just about the the flat amount that is given, but the situation and the heart behind it. Because you may be the poorest person in your church, and, and you may, even as a percentage, actually be giving more than the biggest giver in your church of what your wealth is. And ultimately, God sees that, God knows that, God praises that here, even in this instance. And that's another good way for us to take God at his word. God says it is more blessed to give than to receive. God says that he loves a cheerful giver. Will you take God at his word? in that and and obey that. So as we wrap up this chapter, there's so many things we could see from each of these different instances, but let's think about that big theme, taking God at his word. Are you going to take God at his word today? The commands of God, the promises of God, the good news of Jesus Christ. Are you going to take all of those things at face value? Are you going to take God at his word because you trust him? You trust his word like Jesus did, how Jesus based his argument on the word of God. May you build your life on the scriptures. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.